Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I'm just saying it's not my fault. Ah! I'm just saying if anyone's getting blamed here, it shouldn't be me. Oh my word. That's, that's what I'm saying. Are you going to do blame it on the dog? Maybe. Ah! Life 107.1. I think I had a breakthrough. Breakthrough? I, I, I do. I'm a little bit proud of myself. Okay. Can, can I tell you? Can I tell you what I did, and, and then you can decide if this was a breakthrough? Or oh, okay. I just, get to be the judge. Just me no. being lazy. Sunday night, I looked at my son Benjamin, and I said, "Okay, bud, you ready for school?" And uh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm ready for school. I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, have you put your stuff in your backpack? Oh no. <laughs> okay, well, do you have a mask or a net gaiter ready to go? Do you know what you're going to... No. Oh, okay. Okay, do you know what you're going to wear for school tomorrow? Do you have your outfit ready to go? No. Have you found your pen and pencil bag? Because I know we were li- <laughs> we, we were missing that. Do you know where that is yet? Uh, no, I haven't found that yet. How about your Bible? Because Ben goes to Des Moines Christian, yeah. and so he has to have a Bible for class and for chapel. No, I haven't been able to... F- I said, so So basically, you're not ready for school, <laughs> is what you're telling me. And he said, well, not if we're looking at your way. <laughs> so I sent him downstairs to find the Bible. Okay. It was important. Just I, at least had, one step. Yeah, I had seen it. I knew it was down there somewhere. I said, go down and find your Bible. That child came upstairs two times to tell me, it's not down there, Mom. And I'm like, okay, normally... Taylor, in my life, what what would I do? You go down there yeah. and you find that because it's right there in plain Fine. sight. I'll do it myself. And so I, normally I would go downstairs. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know what? He's 16 years old. I know it's down there somewhere. It's his responsibility. So I just kept sending him back. Oh. Nope. nope. Go down. Find it again. Nope. Look harder. Go down. Find it again. And do you know what happened? What? He found the Bible. Hey. I was like, where was it? He was like, it wasn't in one of the places that you said it was. And I looked at him and he goes, yeah, it was. It was in one of the places that you said it was. Mom knows. (laughs) I do believe that this is God being a God of balance. Mm -hmm. He makes sure that in the same household, there's always a finder and then somebody that loses all the stuff. It's it's a matching of different (laughs) opposing gifts that make a beautiful mosaic of wonderfulness. Joy, who's the finder and who is the not finder in your life? I am the finder and my husband is most definitely the one who loses things. We had a time that he heard his phone ringing and he couldn't find it. So we pulled that living room apart trying to find it. I mean, he moved everything away from where he had been. And my son finally went out to the kitchen and asked if he could have some chips. And I said, yeah, there's the bag your dad just brought out. And sure enough, that's where his cell phone was. It was in the <laughs> bag of chips? Into the bag of chips beside him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, apparently the phone was hungry or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who is the finder in your house? And who is the one who loses things? <laughs> I, I just can't bring myself to say loser because that's who I am. Oh, you're the loser. I know I'm the one who loses things, Jen. Oh, okay. All right. I, so you're not. Listen, listen. I <laughs> In this scenario. I know where stuff is if I'm the only one who deals with it. The, the phrase organized chaos resonates with me on a very deep soul level. Like, I mean, you've seen my desk at work. Yep. It's not in order, but I can find anything on there. Okay. You can say, where's the note that has the three questions you need to ask this person on Thursday? I'll be like, oh, it's right here under my book of useless facts and behind my Matt Marr signed mug. It's right there. So it's organized chaos. Yes. I know where everything is. 
The problem is I'm married to someone who just likes organized. Oh, oh. She doesn't like the chaos involved. And so (laughs) I'll have something where it belongs in my head. And then Lindsay will put it where it belongs in her head. And that can belong like two inches away from where I put mine. And it's invisible to me, Jen. Why is that? I don't know. I'm looking exact. This is where it belongs. And Lindsay will like just kind of grab me by the shoulders and go, chink. I'll be like, oh, why would you put it there? That's not where it goes. So basically you're saying the best way to hide something from you is to put it about six inches away. Just put it where it belongs. I'll I'll never find it. (laughs) It's a heavy mantle to have to wear sometimes Mm -hmm. to be the finder in the relationship. If you're the one in the home that is always expected to be able to find something. You hear a lot of sentences that start with, have you seen my? Yeah. Where did you put my? Well, in my house, it's always, mom, mom, <laughs> where is? And I'm like, why am I the one that has to know where everything is? But I am the finder. What are you? I would be the finder and my husband, that would be the not finder. The okay. not finder. Okay. Tell me about him. Anytime I do like a brand new load of laundry of all of his clothes, He's like, I can't find socks. I can't find underwear. I can't find work shorts. I then go in there, pull them right out for him. I look for five minutes, he'll say. I'm like, babe, I don't I don't know. They were right there the whole time. I don't know how many times in my life I've said that phrase. I don't know. It was right there. I mean, do you? does it disappear for you guys yeah. and then just reappear for us? I think or? that's what, honestly, Jen, I think that's what it is. I think my socks are spiting me. <laughs> They hide, and then Lindsay comes in. They're like, okay, we'll drop out of the air ducts. Now, here's an interesting uh, kerfuffle. Okay. A a, a wrinkle in all of this. Mm -hmm. Taylor, your mother texted me and said that when you were little, you could find things. But now you can't? I can find stuff if I'm the one who puts it where I like it. It's when Lindsay puts stuff where it belongs that problems arise. Oh, my word. All of a sudden, I'm hearing shades of the woman you gave no, me. No, okay, that's not. That's. I'm just saying it's not my fault. Ah! I'm saying I can't. I'm not saying Lindsay should be. I'm just saying if anyone's getting blamed here, it shouldn't be me. Oh, my word. That's, that's what I'm saying. Are you going to do blame it on the dog? Maybe. Ah! She can't defend herself. They are now officially worth their weight in gold. (laughs) Teachers. They have a big job ahead of them this year. They really do. And we were talking to our friend Gene Holthouse about just all the stress of going back to school in this crazy pandemic time. And she had some great words of encouragement. I think that's kind of in that same boat when we were talking about parents letting go of kids. We have to let go of what we can't control. And teachers, on the one hand, are asked to control a classroom of kids that really, it's nigh to impossible to control most days. They're just kind of trying their best to put limits around. But there are just things that they're not going to be able to control. And and again, focusing back in on what do I control right now? I control how I handle myself. I control my thoughts, my feelings, my behaviors. So I can't necessarily control whether or not Johnny is being defiant and refuses to wear his mask or Susie is doing that. But I can control how I react to them. Um, I can't control whether or not someone in my class gets COVID, but I can control what I do to try to follow the rules and minimize the risk. So looking at what do I control versus what do I not control? This is a story for you. If you have had a child come home maybe this year or maybe recently and said, my teacher is so hard. Mm -hmm. All right. This is a story for you. 
I had one of those teachers in first grade. Mrs. Madore, M-A-D-O-R-E. Okay. Madore. At the beginning of the year, really, she didn't smile very much, which I would have thought as a first grade teacher, she should smile more. Start thinking she's mean. She was very proper, and we were to be very proper in her class. Okay. There was no chatting. There was not an awful lot of of laughing um, and goofing off mm. in first grade. That was Mrs. Madore. But Mrs. Madore had a way about her. When anybody in the class made a breakthrough, now, if you were struggling in reading or math or anything, what Mrs. Madore did really, really well, whenever somebody had a breakthrough, she would celebrate it like she had just won the lottery. Oh, Yay! Stephen D has figured out how to read. Isn't this wonderful? Everybody, let's give Stephen a hand. Great job, Oh, that's Stephen. so cool. She was so excited when we would be able to break through a mm. difficult thing. We would stop. We would have candy. I remember one time there was a, a little guy in our class that really struggled. And he made a breakthrough. And this was a long time ago. She went over. She picked him up. She hugged him. She twirled him around. Oh. Put him back down. And then she went back to being very proper Mrs. Madore. I look back on Mrs. Madore now, and yeah, she might have been tough, but boy, was she a great cheerleader. I know that for King and Country, songs have been important to you. You've told us Mm -hmm. songs like Together or Burn the Ships or Priceless. And have you ever wondered why they're able to write such powerful songs? Luke was telling us about how God used something really unexpected in his life to help him write these meaningful songs. I nearly lost my son several years ago to a uh, an accident. And um, right where I'm actually sitting right now, just outside, is my driveway. And that's where we had him when he was, he was lifeless. He wasn't breathing. And my wife prayed this amazing prayer over him. And he, thankfully, he came back to us. But as I kind of like was healing from those things, I was sitting out on this little porch where I could see that area that we had put my son. And I called out to God and I said, God, why do these really, really difficult things keep happening to me? You know, I got really, really sick a number of years ago. My wife and I walked through this season of a lot of therapy with her situation of just being addicted to some pills. You nearly took my son. My son now has to go have this massive surgery. You know, why do these things keep happening to me? One of the clearest moments of my entire life, I felt God very, very clearly say, these things keep happening because these stories, they reflect the goodness of my love for you. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even have to be a very good storyteller to tell these stories. (laughs) And so I ask you to go and share these stories with other people because they reflect who I truly am. And so my stories that I put into songs are very personal and very real to me. And a lot of times I'm writing them to comfort my own soul. Mm-hmm. But I've, I realized something many years ago, that, and that is if I write a song that comforts my own soul, there's many other souls that have the same condition and the same issues that my soul do. And so mm-hmm. they actually have the ability to encourage another. Essentially, that's why I write songs. That's why I'm going to come to the Iowa State Fair in a few weeks to be with you guys is because I believe in the hope of, of those stories. Dr. Heidi... Going back to school is always fairly difficult for our children. But in 2020, everybody's got different start dates. Everybody's got different rules. It all looks different. It's all uncertain. How can we help our kiddos process through the first days of school? We start by recognizing that this is unprecedented. 
our administrator had a coffee cup that said, I miss precedented times. Yeah. And we do, don't, <laughs> don't we? we? <laughs> we would love to have the normal school transition, right? Uh, but we don't this year. It's transition on steroids. Mm-hmm. And I think for so recognizing that and slowing down and saying, okay, how can I help my kids process and not projecting our emotions? Because we as adults are aware of so many more things than the kids are aware of. And so slowing down and asking neutral questions. So we're wanting to find out what did you notice today about school? How was this year different than last year? I like that. So just different, not how was it bad? How was it no, hard? How did you handle it? What did you, did you it? notice? Yeah. So those neutral, what was the same? What was different? And not what did you hate about school because it's so different this year? Was it so hard? Was yeah. it so annoying? How yeah. was that mask? Like, yeah. like you don't, you don't, don't want do to that. put those emotions into it, right? Their biggest issue might be that their best friend is in a different classroom. A lot of times when there's this sort of, what was so bad about this? How hard was it to wear right. your mask? I think a lot of times that's trying to get your kids to process your emotions with you. Absolutely. And they might not have those same emotions. Yeah. My son loves his neck gator, right? <laughs> he thinks it's fantastic. He thinks Probably it's fun. Right? And I love like that. a ninja. And he does. And he loves it. And I love that he loves it. It's made this transition really a non-issue. Yeah. And we have to give them space to have their own concerns concerns, which may or may not be our concerns. And then we have them identify, what can we control? We cannot control that your best friend is another classroom, but what can we control? Right. And we have to work to not jump to fix it either. Yeah. It's going to be a hard year because your best friend's in the other classroom. I get that. We don't want to jump to solutions. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll make new friends. We don't want to minimize their struggle, but we want to walk with them in it. We want to sit with them and acknowledge it and and tell them whatever this year brings, we're going to get through it together. And if you're in that situation, you need to remember that you will not do it perfectly to start with. Or ever. Or ever, right? (laughs) So be curious and invite your child to be curious with with you. Hey, we have no idea how this works. I don't know. You don't know. Let's figure it out together. What worked today? What didn't work today? What should we do different tomorrow? Get their input on the solution because you might be surprised. I love it when I I talk with kids and they have their own ideas. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really great idea. That's going to work really well. I mean, last spring when we were home, I ended up reading out loud while my son did his work. That was a great idea he had. And so collaborating with your kids, realizing that you don't have to take all the pressure on yourself to fix the difficult situation. You can take time to figure it out. You can talk to your friends and get their input and work together as a team to come up with the best solution for your family. Oh, yeah. Make it smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make it smaller than taking on the entire Department of Education's yeah. issues. <laughs> Just keep it to your home, yep. maybe your friends, and that will help spark some creativity. There's lots of ways to do this. And what works for your family is not what's going to work for another family. And that's okay. Do you ever do something and then you're sitting there saying, that didn't just happen? Uh, Clear, no, that that is impossible. That would not happen to me. That's against the rules. Wait, you just said, have you ever done something? So you did something and then you said, no, I didn't? Yeah, I was trying to convince myself something different had happened. It was trash night. And so I take my trash out to the dumpster, the, you know, the trash bin. Uh Uh-huh. And I threw the trash into the trash bin, but I was trying to do like a hundred different things at once. Mm-hmm. And so I had my car keys in the same hand as the trash bag <laughs> and those car keys fell right out of my hand as I was dumping the trash into the trash bin. So the big old trash bin that you take down to the street that the yeah. city takes away, your keys are now in the bottom of this. And I tried to tell myself, you know what, the key probably landed on top of something dry at the very top. Nope! 
Five minutes of searching with a flashlight later, I find my car keys buried in juice at the bottom of the trash can. Gross. First of all, gross. Second of all, you didn't tell me this was in the dark. It it was. It was in the dark. And so I'm like, you know, it's that trash bin comes up to my chest. And so I can't just like reach in and get it. I'm like standing on one leg, leaning over this thing. Oh, I wish this was on video. I don't. So what I ended up having to do was I grabbed all the trash that I could and piled it on one end of the trash bin, and then I slowly started tilting the trash bin towards me as I leaned in, and I was like, at some point, this stuff is going to tumble, and I'm going to be buried in an avalanche of trash. Fortunately, I received the key without receiving any trash on my head, but that is the last time I carry a car key in the same hand as a trash bag. I had to dig through my garbage. You dumpster dove. I, I did some dumpster dove. It was my car key. I can't just let that go away. Yeah, and you got it all over you. Yeah, uh, Mike has some advice on what I could have done. I work for Chitty Garbage, and I got a perfect idea for you. Okay. We use golf clubs, okay? But oh. now golf clubs can't always hook onto something small, so we have a broom on there, a shovel that we pick up messes with. At the end of the broom, there's always an eyelet where you can hang it on the wall in the house. Yeah. A piece of wire or coat hanger. Scoop it, stick it down in there, and just scoop it right out, and you don't have to touch nothing. You That's sound brilliant. like a man that knows what he's doing. I work for a garbage company. I'm on route right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I was making pork chops, and it was going to be a lovely dinner. Mm. And I was doing all the things that you do in the kitchen, thinking I was so great and wonderful. And all of a sudden, at one point, I looked down at my hand and the pearl that was supposed to be mounted in my ring was gone. Uh oh. Now, the pearl was about the size of, of like a, a fingernail. It was a pretty big one. Okay. It wasn't yeah. like it was fake. But anyway, it was a big pearl and it was dear to me because the ring had been a gift from my kids. Mm. So my pearl is gone and I start to panic because how are you supposed to find a single pearl in a kitchen when you've been prepping for dinner? Oh man, because there's so much stuff everywhere. Well, you knew immediately where I thought it had gone, down the sink. Oh yeah, down the drain. So I, I, I got a flashlight out, I'm looking down there, I'm on my hands and knees. At one point I was prone on the floor, the dogs are looking at yeah. me, they're wondering what, <laughs> and I am looking, I am scouring everywhere and at, at, at some point I just had to accept the mm. fact that it was gone. Yeah. Yeah, it was gone. So I continued to prep for dinner saddened at the fact that mm-hmm. I was going to have to tell the children that the pearl ring they had given me was now just a ring with no pearl. Aww. And I opened up the trash to throw something away. And there, sitting on the top of the paper that had been wrapped around my pork chops, was my pearl. So you didn't even have to jump into a dumpster. <laughs> I did You just reached in. <laughs> I didn't have to dive at all. <laughs> you barely even had to wash your hands after that. <laughs> There are stories of dumpster diving, and then there are stories that are so much more. Yeah, you had uh, something happen to you, Rose? It was during the flood in Des Moines and Ames um, just the other year. I was, had to be rescued for one thing off the top of my truck. Oh, well, wow. we came back the next day anyway, and somebody had gotten into the truck and stole everything out of it. Oh, no. Well, I had this backpack. In my backpack were uh, things that belonged to my late mother, 
And for some reason, I just thought, I'm going to look in the dumpster. And sure enough, there were the papers and the bracelet. They dumped all the stuff in the dumpster. They did. It took my backpack. So I ended up, I got stuck in the dumpster because I could not get out of it. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And I had to call the police. (laughs) They had rescued me the night before um, to help me get out of the dumpster. Wait a minute. The police that rescued you the night before off the top of your truck then had to come the next day and get you out of a dumpster. Um, Yes, that is correct. You'd be like, hey, good to see you guys again. It was pretty embarrassing. There's a lot of buzzwords. These mm-hmm. days uh, that you probably hadn't heard in years before. One of them is the term self-care. Mm-hmm. You hear that a lot anymore, that you need to take time to take yeah. care of yourself. Doing things to fill yourself up. Maybe it's a, a bath or a pedicure mm-hmm. or just taking some time to go outside and have a cup of coffee and breathe and think. But I can tell you something from personal experience, which is the ultimate self-care that we probably don't think about that way. Okay. Forgiveness. Which is not what I usually think of <laughs> at all when it comes to self-care. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you are doing the ultimate damage to yourself. Because really, you're kind of reliving a traumatic, painful moment in your life over and over. You've just got it on loop in your brain. And that hurts. It hurts. It hurts emotionally. It hurts spiritually. It even hurts physically. Mm. I would say, arguably, one of the worst things that you can do to tear your own self down is to be unforgiving towards somebody. Forgiveness is hard. And it's a process. But when you do it, that is the ultimate self-care. We both kind of did a double take when I read this yesterday. Going through this book, The Art of Forgiving by Louis B. Smedes. And at one point he says, in order to forgive, you have to have an inner push to forgive. Mm-hmm. You You, have to want to. to. (laughs) And I was like, but so often I don't want to forgive. What is that about? Well, I tell you what it's about, having experienced it. So have you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. everybody has. We've all had something done to us that was wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And and we've experienced a hurt that we needed to forgive. We all have. Um, and, And some of us have the ability to just say, okay, yeah, you know what? I forgive you. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that hurt is so big and so uh, physical and so large and life-changing that it, it takes time. Yeah. And it takes a daily request of the Lord. Please, God, please help me forgive this person because I don't want this anymore. And I think that's what happens is when you go from, I want this person to suffer to realizing that by wanting the other person to suffer, you are causing yourself so much suffering. Yeah. You're causing yourself the hurt. I mean, if 2020 is anything, it's a year for us to pause yeah, and to, 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 to think of our, of who we are as a person and what we're doing that is making the world a better place. And You need to make yourself better before you can make the world a better place. I love what uh, Lewis wrote about finally wanting to forgive. He says, when we get obsessed with what someone did to us, 
when we can't get it out of our minds night or day, when our rage churns to a froth, mm-hmm. and in short, when we feel most miserable, we swear that we would not forgive someone if he came crawling on his belly. <laughs> But as we discover that the resentment that tasted sweet for breakfast is bitter fare for dinner, Mm. we begin to wonder whether we shall ever be happy again, and we begin to feel a wisp of desire to get rid of the sour aftertaste of hate. If you are trapped in that place of not being able to forgive, mm-hmm. I get that. I understand that. It's happened several times to me in my life where somebody wronged me or my family to the point where I I just didn't forgive them. All you want to do is to make them suffer. Yep. You want to root for everything to go wrong in their life. You always think that forgiving them is letting them off the hook, mm-hmm. but it's not. They did something wrong and it hurts you. And those two things are valid. But the forgiveness is not about them. Yeah. There's a thing. The forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. And then you come to that realization and you think to yourself, okay, so I want to forgive. But how do I do it? Yeah. How do I do it? I want to forgive. For a while uh, this year, I would wake up every morning and I could still feel it. Mm-hmm. And, I'd, and I would say to God, I mean, okay, God, I want to forgive. Help me. Because it's not instantaneous. If it were Taylor, he wouldn't have to command (laughs) us to do it. You know, he has to command us to do the hard things. And one of them is forgiveness. And I think there's this beautiful verse in the Bible where it talks about God changing our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And I think sometimes when I'm stuck in that unforgiveness, it's like my heart's just calcifying towards Mm -hmm. this other person. Yeah. It's like, God, you you got to soften this for me because I can't do it by myself. He doesn't do it overnight. It takes time. It's an everyday surrender, but it does happen. He promises it will. Mm. And when it does, oh, man, (laughs) like I said, ultimate self-care. So, so, so much better on the other side of that. I think sometimes God lets us sit with that feeling because then we understand what a big deal it is that he forgave us. Grateful. You're grateful. This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.